Hello, hi everyone. Welcome once again to another time in God's presence. Welcome to Faith Boosters. We are here every Monday, 5 p.m. East African time. And it's such a pleasure and an honor to hang out with you today. Uh, if you're new here, welcome, welcome. The rest of the family that have always been around, you know what to do. Let our friends and family know that we are on. We have begun. It's time to get into the word of God that changes everything. So welcome. As we wait for everyone to come on board, why don't you just lift up your voice right now and welcome God where he already is, but recognize his presence. Welcome him in your office, in your car, in that bathroom, in that taxi, at work, wherever you are at home. Just go ahead and lift up your voice. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We welcome you because you are the revealer of truth, the spirit of truth, the one who shows us things to come. We recognize your presence. We welcome you, Lord. We open our hearts to you today, this morning, this evening, this afternoon, whatever time it is where we are watching from. And Lord, we say welcome. Open our eyes that we may see wondrous things in your law. The Lord, today, as your word is taught, healing will happen. Those who have come with heavy hearts will live light-hearted. Those who have come with sicknesses in their body will live with no disease because where your presence is, these things disappear. So, Lord, let your presence fill every place right now where we are. Lord, we welcome you. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Take control. Lord, let every word spoken be anointed with your, your oil, O oh God. Let your people hear and love your law more than anything in their lives, O oh Father, because it's what changes everything. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Welcome once again. What a hot word we had last week. We are still recovering. Maybe let's not recover. Thank you so much for all the feedback. I know that it was one of those that does not feel very sweet to taste, but sometimes that's how medicine is. When you're swallowing it, it's going to get you better, but it doesn't taste very nice when you're taking it in. And I have determined that I do not want to say what people like to hear. But what I sense God is saying to us at a time, but also to teach truth. Because as a teacher, I can only teach what has worked in my life. That is, that is how you become a teacher without hypocrisy. Where I don't come to teach you things that are just theories, uh, but truth that is proven in my life. That, that, you know, Paul says that he will only teach what God has wrought in him. You know, and that's what I, I try to do as much as I can on this bro, uh, broadcast. So last week's teaching about breaking free from your past is something that I have experienced for years, a freedom that I'm still, I'm still on a journey, but I have left by where I was. And so I wanted to deliver to you something that God has worked in my life that has brought me so much healing. And so listen to it over and over, even though the first time you feel like it's not going down well, Listen to it again and again until God is able to show you what, which areas of your life he wants to deal with and redeem the time because the days are evil. But today I want us to get into one of my favorite uh, scriptures or, or, or texts in the Bible. I've been thinking about the fact that if you're here and you're on faith boosters, it, you're definitely a person who loves the word of God or you desire to love the word of God. That's why you show up and tune in every Monday and you're the kinds of people also who listen to other sermons. And, and yet I found at a certain time in my life that I was someone who was ministering in church. I was, I've, I've always been in the ministry, like from the age of 13, I've been ministering in the church with knowledge at least. 
And so I was teaching, I was leading worship, I was reading my Bible diligently, and for a while I was, get, I was seeing fruit, right? But then that time came and I was confused. I was this person who was in church. I was now serving on the pastoral team. People would come with so much testimony about what God had done in their life through the word, which I was teaching partially, and I didn't have these testimonies. And my heart became a bit dull. You know, the Bible says that you can actually become dull-hearted or you can become hard of hearing. Like you get, especially those of you who are involved in some form of ministry in the church, it can become a place where you're serving. While the teacher of the word is preaching, the person on the worship team, you're either taking a break, talking to your friends, or, you're, um, or, or you, if you're on the media team, you're, all you're minding is to do the work right there and then, and the word is not actually entering your life. And sometimes you find that the brokest people are the people who are serving in the church. Or, no, and I'm not talking about being broke financially only, even spiritually, even emotionally, even relationally. Like you look at them and their lives are not enviable. You look at them and it's like the thing they, they teach or they say they believe and what you're seeing as fruit is not adding up. And then some people who seem to be on the peripheries, who are just probably look like churchgoers, seem to be seeing fruit in their lives. And... And this, it's not, this is one of the things that I started to see differently when Jesus teaches about when the word is being sown, how the enemy can steal the word. And that's what I want to talk about today, how the enemy or the devil steals the word. Remember, the major work of the devil is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Is what Jesus tells us in John 10, 10. That the thief comes but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And you know what? He's so passionate about stealing, killing, and destroying your life that he never takes a break. He doesn't have a bad day. Every day he's figuring out how to destroy. But you see, the enemy is not really after you because you and I, yeah, like without Jesus, we are already broken. What he's after in your life is the word of God because it's the differentiator. The word of God in your life is what makes a difference. Not just the word of God. It's the word of God which is working in your life. You see, seed does not make a difference in my life until it is sown and I eat a harvest of it. So if I have seeds in my house, yeah, they are there, but they are powerful, but I don't know their power and they will not impact me in any way until I put them in the ground and I get a harvest and I eat of that harvest. Then the seed had an impact in my life. So you see, when Jesus says, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. He's talking about the fact that only the word that we know, only the truth that we've received is what brings us freedom. And so what the enemy wants is to steal the word of God at its infancy, when it's at seed form. Because once it has become revelational knowledge in your life, once it has become truth that you ascribe to for real, that it's a belief system, that you believe you cannot fail, like how I believe I cannot fail. You know where you get to a point where you believe there is no way my life can go, go backwards. There is no way I can, I can, I can and die poor there is no way like it doesn't matter the circumstances of my birth until that thing is revelation the enemy wants to kill it at seed form because it's easiest to kill at seed form okay because you see when light has come it's too late darkness cannot invade so he says arise shine for your light has come by that time the light the light in the scriptures is actually knowledge and revelation revelation when light reveals what exists it doesn't create the word of God reveals what God has provided by his grace. Okay, it, it reveals it. It's already there. Seeds don't create. They go into the ground and reveal what was there the whole time. In your spirit, God has provided by his grace a full life. A full life. 
a life that looks exactly like Jesus as he is, so are we in this world. But until the seed of God's word goes in there and reveals what is actually there, we can live with what we have, but live as if we have, do not have. Do you understand? So today I want to talk about how the enemy steals the word of God. I want to expose to us how the enemy steals the word so that we become aware because these seem like innocent things that happen, but they are, they are not innocent at all. Okay, because I want you to understand that the devil is a very subtle thief. You know, when a thief announces that they are coming, you can defend yourself. But when a thief becomes your friend and your guard is down and you actually hand over your resources to them, like corn men, that's how the enemy works. He operates as if he's on your side. It's what he did to Eve. He, he offered something that looked better, but it was a, a perversion of truth. It's what he tried to do to Jesus, but he overcame. And you know how Jesus overcame? By the word. When the enemy comes to tempt Jesus, exactly the same temptations that he came for Adam, for Eve with, exactly the same. Jesus responded with the same thing over and over. He kept saying, it is written. It is written. It is written. And maybe you're saying, maybe for Eve it wasn't yet written. But they lived with the word himself. The word of God, that's the only, only being that they related with apart from each other. So if they had stuck with what God said, we would not be where we are today. And for many of us, that is it, that you're going to see how the enemy steals the word from us. So I want us to go to the book of Mark 4. Mark chapter 4. We'll read from verse 1 up to like verse 20. So, and Jesus began to teach by the sea, and a great multitude was gathered to him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea, and the whole multitude was on the land facing the sea. They are painting the picture. So he's teaching so many people. Then he taught them many things by parables and said to them in his teaching. Listen. Behold, a sower went out to sow. A sower went out to sow. And it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside and the birds of the air came and devoured it. It had no chance. Some fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth or soil and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched and it, because it had no root, it withered away. And some seed fell among thorns and the thorns grew up and choked it and it yielded no crop. But other seed fell on good ground. And yielded a crop that sprang up, increased and produced some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. And he said to them, he who has ears, let him hear. Jesus uses agricultural language again because you can't beat that system. Even scientists have to go through seed time and harvest. Okay? He's telling us how the word of God works. That basically the word of God works as a seed works in the ground. You don't know how it works, but what you have to do is sow the seed. So a sower, when you go out to sow as a sower, sometimes the sower is you, sometimes the sower is the teacher of the word. Like right now, I'm sowing seed. Last week, I was sowing seed. Every week, I'm sowing seed. I teach a couple of times a week, and I'm dispersing the seed of the word of God, but not all of it springs forth. And That's why there are times you hear the same teaching over and over, and like in year five, you get it. You're not, you're not evil. It's the state of the soil that determines the fruitfulness of the seed. It's the state of the soil. 
the seed has no problem. If you think about it, it's the same sower sowing the same seed, but it is the types of receiver, the types of soils that are receiving the seed that determine the level of its fruitfulness. And that's what I want to show you. How can you become good ground? How can you become the kind of soil where the seed of the word of God produces to certain levels? Even you see in the producing, the good soil has different levels of production. 30, 60, 100. We all know we studied types of soils, hopefully. Loam soil is the best, that, that, that blackish one, right? Sample like loam soil. They paid school fees for you. <laughs> but Jesus loves us. So... The, the, the type of soil is what determines the level of fruitfulness. So what type of soil am I? So Jesus first gives this parable and he's saying the sower went out to sow. He's saying he's a sower. He goes out, he sows seed, different types of ground receive it and different results happen. And then he, he's, but when he was alone, those around him with the 12 asked him about the parable. And I love this about if you're a disciple, that's why you should be under, under someone who is discipling you. That once the word of God is taught out there, you come back with your questions, not assuming that you've understood. To say, teacher, what do these things mean? Me, I've not understood. You're not stupid. That's why sometimes I listen to the same someone for weeks. One like this. Because I know this someone has something for me, but I'm not understanding it. There's something that's not switching on for me. And until I get my light out of it, I'm not letting go. But also that's why I listen to someone every day. I can't let a day pass without listening to a teaching. Sometimes the same teaching twice. Sometimes the same teaching the whole week. Sometimes a teaching a day. But I'm always hearing the word of God because that's how I'm improving my soul. But I'm going ahead of myself. When he was alone, those around him learned to ask your discipler for deeper understanding. Your discipler or the person who feeds you the word. To go in and ask them and they asked him, what about the parable and he said to them to you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of god i want you to understand that that god's word is not there to confuse you god's word should not leave you with more questions it should leave you with answers if you have questions because jesus is an answer he's not a question jesus is not a question he's an answer so when he comes he gives you answers for life he tells you this is the way walking it by his word the steps of a righteous man are ordered of the lord God guides us by his word. He does not confuse us by his word. So when you hear the word of God and you feel confused, don't stop at the confusion. Insist until you get the answer in the word of God. Get deep in it because those are your answers. Okay? So the word of God delivers answers. And he says it is given to you to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. In other words, the kingdom of God is mysterious. It's not obvious. It's not, so you, you can't say that you just understand it. That's why when you read your Bible like a novel, it's hard to understand because it's the Holy Spirit who inspired these words. They are life. They are spirit. They are not normal. You can't understand it with just your mind. That's why there are people who have studied the word, got a doctorate in it, and actually ended up not even believing in God because they are using their human mind, which is an enemy of God, to understand spiritual things. It's a mystery. Something that's mysterious is something hard to understand or to explain. And so the kingdom of God, which we are a part of, you and I are citizens in the kingdom of God, though we live in another kingdom of this world, but we are not from this kingdom. So we know that's why we have to have our guide. The book of the laws of our kingdom is here, showing us how to behave, how to live, how to serve, how to everything is here, of how the kingdom of God operates. So it says it's given to you to understand the mystery of the kingdom of God. But to those who are outside, all things come in parables. 
so that seeing they may not see, hearing, and I'll not get into that. And then he says to them in verse 13, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? Uh oh in other words, if you don't understand this parable, you will not understand the rest of the parables. If you don't understand how the word of God works, now you won't really, you will never get fruit out of the word of God. This is an incredibly critical and looking like it's a simple parable, but it's so powerful that when you as a child of God understand how the word of God works, you will first of all give it its place that is due in your life. And then you will start to get more out of it. In other words, if you continue reading your Bible without understanding how the word works, you will never really get into all the depth that you can get into. So he says, the sower sows the word. Mark 4.14, that's a nice verse to memorize. In other words, he's not talking about agriculture here. He's saying the seed I'm talking about is the word of God. So he's saying the sower sows the word. The sower sows the word. I am a sower right now. I am sowing the word of God. I am putting out the word of God into the ground of your life. I am putting the word of God into the ground of my life. That everyone needs a sower, needs someone who is pouring into them. The sower sows the word. You are also a sower when you open your mouth and speak the word of God. You are sowing the word of God. The sower sows the word. And then he says, now he starts to explain it. These are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. Remember the first category he talked about, he talks about two types of soil. The first one, remember it's not the seed that differs here, it's the types of soil. He says the first category are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. It's also sown there. When they hear, I want you to understand that all these people hear the word of God. Like right now, all of us are hearing the word of God, but we are hearing differently depending on the types of soil. He says, when they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. Let me get you a, um, let me, let me show you a scripture that, that is the same, the same, the same scripture, but in a different, um, book of the Bible. Hey, this is going to be good. How does he steal it immediately? Let me show you how. This is good. There's one that really explains it very well. Uh-huh. Matthew 13. The same scripture. Matthew 13, verse 18. He says, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who received seed by the wayside. How is the word of God stolen immediately when you don't understand it? Never be okay with, no, with, with, with not understanding what you've heard when a someone is taught. Never be okay with it. That is the enemy stealing at level one. Like oh, we can't even talk about Obama level two. At, at that point, you do not even understand it. Have you ever been listening to someone and you don't understand what the preacher is preaching and you think, ah, maybe it's just my level of... And no, 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 it's the devil. Never be okay with not understanding the someone. That's why you should be the kind of person who never listens to a someone once. I was telling the people I disciple that I've realized that you start to understand, you start at the third time of hearing a teaching. That's when you start to understand it. I think that's why even in the Gospels, they repeat the same scriptures. Over and over, you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, 
it's the same stuff. Then you go to the books of, of Paul, he's repeating himself over and over in different churches. I think it's for, it's for us to have a reference over and over. That's how culture and belief systems are built. So don't be okay. The level one of stealing the word of God is when you do not understand. A lack of understanding. It is stolen immediately. How do you not understand the word of God? You're distracted. You're in church. The preacher is preaching. Your WhatsApps are on. You, you Something, you know, as you come in mid-sentence, you hear half the sentence, then something pops on your phone, then you tap it. Because you say you're using your phone to write notes. But as you're using your phone to write notes, our WhatsApp pops, you open it, you look at it, a sentence passes and it's gone. And maybe that was the thing for you in that moment. Or you're with a friend and they're trying to crack a joke while the teacher is teaching. They're cracking a joke or they're reminding you of what to cook for lunch or the fact that you'll be late for a certain appointment. You're sitting next to someone who is distracting you. Or uh, in the, you start to doze. Like, fight that. Like, dozing. Dozing is in a sermon or in prayer. You should, that one just knows it's demonic influence. I'm telling you, unless you are tired, but otherwise, it's, I know that they, they have been praying and suddenly a sleep that is unusual comes over you. Like you can't explain it. You can't keep your eyes open. You feel so worn out. It is demons at work. And let me tell you, we fight. You have to fight back. But for me, the biggest one that I learned when I was much younger was that one of distractions. Not WhatsApps at the time. It was friends. So for me, I don't sit next to people who want to talk to me when the teaching is going on. I used to always sit at the front so that I'm not watching people in front of me doing all sorts of things. I didn't want distractions. I'm, I, 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 and then my friends knew, if you sit next to me, do, I will be so rude to you. Don't talk to me when the sermon is being preached. Because my life depends on that thing. But you see, if you don't hallow the word of God and, and, and hold it in such a high regard, you can actually, in fact, it's the, it's the time in the church service that most people get bored. People love praise and worship. That was me. I would go do praise and worship in a certain church. And then I would leave, go somewhere else for another praise and worship and come back. Yeah, when I was a teenager. Because the word, I remember that church that I belonged to, I don't remember a single someone preached. Because the preacher was so boring to me. It's not about charisma for the preacher. It's what is coming out of their mouth, the truth of the word of God. In a service, what I look forward to the most now is the word. I enjoy the worship and I'm a worshiper at heart. But I look forward to the word because it's what has the capacity to change my life forever. So beware of distractions when the word of God is being taught. That's why I'm encouraging most all of you, go to a physical church on Sunday. These things of watching online, I've tried it when I'm not well and, I'm, and, and when I've not been well and I'm at home. You're so distracted. You know, you're eating breakfast, people are passing by, I don't know what, you're posing the preacher, you're coming back, you've forgotten what they said. Wow. So you find that you're someone who hears summons, yes, but you can't touch anything because you are not zealous concerning the word of god so the first level of stealing the word is an immediate st stealing immediate thievery how does it happen distractions that they do not understand you fail to understand don't be okay with not understanding when the preacher preaches the word do not be okay don't dis don't put it away and say maybe just me i don't understand english or what okay find a language which you understand but don't be okay with not understanding the word of God and do not allow distractions. When you sit, don't sit with your friends. If you're not like me, I know there are people I can't sit next to. I move. I will move and sit somewhere else because I do not want to be talked to. I do not want to be distracted. My phone has to be switched off and away. I no longer take notes on my phone when the sermon is ongoing because I something will pop. Oh, I turn off data and put it in airplane mode. No phone calls, no nothing. I do not want a distraction because I'm aware that it's not innocent. It's not innocent. It is actually the enemy stealing the word of God. 
from you. That he immediately, that's what he says in Matthew 13, verse, verse, verse 19. When he, anyone hears the word, they all hear. And remember, faith comes by hearing. Let me tell you something. Hearing is not enough. It's how you hear. That's why it says, be careful how you hear. With the same measure that you hear, it will be measured back to you. In other words, how are you hearing the word of God? Are you hearing it with distractions? It will be stolen from you. Immediately, the wicked one comes and snatches. You know snatching, it's quick. Snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who received by the wayside. Does not understand it. He does not understand it, so the wicked one steals it from his heart. You hear it, you don't understand it, it's gone. If you come back next week and the preacher asks, what did we preach last Sunday? And you don't remember, just know it was snatched. It was snatched from you. Fight for it. Go back and hear again. And that's the majority of the church. They can't remember, but they keep coming back every Sunday for more. But they don't remember, but last Sunday it was nice, that's what I remember. It was nice, that's what you remember. You leave your weapons of warfare at, by the wayside like that. That's how it's left by... Basically, it's careless listening by the wayside. The wayside, we don't plant seeds by the wayside. You also know it. That's why people walk and trample. You can't plant... Which farmer do you know who plants by the wayside? Every farmer has a nice garden which they've set aside to plant seed and nurture it there. For you must become a careful hearer of the word of God. When, 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 when uh, Solomon is, is, is writing the Proverbs in chapter 4, he says, My son, give attention to my words. Verse 20. Incline your ear to my sayings. Hmm? Pay attention with your eyes. Incline your ear. Keep them in the midst of your heart. Yeah? He's talking about the word of God being in, your, uh, in, your, uh, in front of your eyes, in your ears, in your heart. Hmm? And he says, don't let, do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. He tells him how they are life to those who find them and health to those, to all their flesh. And he says, keep your heart with all diligence. For from it spring the issues of life. Listen to me, the enemy wants to rob you of the word of God. Because a wordless Christian is a powerless Christian. He doesn't need to fight you. If you have no word, you have no power. He, because you see, when the enemy comes to Jesus, Jesus doesn't say, I'm the son of God, doesn't remind him of his identity. He says what is written, and the devil just left him. He, he left him because he knew this one is bringing the most offensive weapon, the word of God. Are you storing up the word of God? David writes in Psalm 119 verse 11 and says, how can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word, verse 9. Then verse 11, he says, your word, O Lord, I have hidden in my heart that I may not sin against you. When God's word enters your heart, sin leaves, deception leaves, you start to experience the life of God because finally the seed has entered the soil. Because remember, by grace, God has provided. But faith, which is by the word of God, is what goes in and manifests what God actually provided by his grace. That's how we have different levels of manifestation in our lives of the word. We are all sitting under the same teaching, but we are hearing differently. Some are hearing with distractions. And I told you, beware those of you who serve in church. We are the biggest culprits. You actually can be that person who never hears because you, you came to serve. When the word is going to be taught, sit down, open your heart, get your notebook. Let's go back to being Christians who go to church with our notebooks and Bibles. When they put up the scripture, look at it. When they we write a note, I'm not saying you write everything they are preaching, but what is God saying to you? What instructions are you hearing? Go back. If there's a recording, listen to it. Listen to it again. Listen to it again. Let the word of God dwell in you richly. 
not not pass by you but dwell you cannot be a christian who only goes to sunday to hear the word of god on sunday morning and you need to remember what what you were told last week we must become people who hear differently otherwise when you don't anyway let's stick to the thing the level one of stealing the word is when we don't understand because of distractions it's immediately stolen and snatched from our hearts and we don't bear fruit level two let's go i'll be going to mark and matthew Level 2 in Mark 4, verse 16, it says, These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground, hard ground, who when they hear the word, do you realize all of them hear? The issue is not hearing, because some of you are saying, I'm going to increase the amount of word I'm hearing. No, it's how you're hearing. It's not just hearing, it's how you hear. And it says, Who when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness. Do you understand? And they have no root in themselves. And so they endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. That's what Mark says. Let's see what Matthew says. But he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Right? They are happy. They're excited. You know, like how I am in church when I'm hearing the word, I'm shouting, I receive it. Amen. I'm excited about the word of God when I'm leaving church. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. I love the language used here. It's very deliberate. That this person receives the word with joy. But they're not willing to hold on to the word. Especially when tough times come. When tough times come, they, and that, I'm not remember that the tribulation and the persecution comes for the word's sake. Have you ever received a word like you're going to be debt free or financial increase and then you enter a debt that you've never entered before or they fire you from work? You just received a word on financial increase. Now there's no food at home. I'm sorry, what? These things don't work. You see, there's no root. It, it wasn't revelation in the first place. <laughs> it wasn't. It was excitement. You had it and like a child, you just got excited. But you did not become like the mature who tests the word of God, who say, God said it, I believe it, I'm not letting it go. In the valley of the shadow of death, God is with me. I remember a time like that for us when 2013, I believe, when uh, I felt led to leave my work. At the time, I, I was very, I, was, I can't say I felt it. God really spoke to me. It's one of the few times in my life when I'm sure, 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 100%. And I was pregnant with our second child. And my husband had just started a business with his business partner. So he was barely earning any, any, any serious money. The money he earned, once he, pay, he paid tithe, <laughs> we couldn't even pay the rent. So my salary had been sustaining us and the benefits that I had a really a good job. A pretty good job in an international organization. And I was growing fast. But I knew God was telling me it's time to hand over there and come give me full time. And so I come into the ministry and we are pregnant. And we could not even, we hadn't even learned very well the, the, the values of saving and investment very well. We were saving here and there, but not really. And so things were tight. At some point, we, we didn't have food at home. But I remember I had so much joy in my heart. I can't explain it. Like, I don't remember being there and saying, but, and I had got a word before that. People who didn't know prophetic word come and told me because I was struggling with making the decision and they were saying, God is saying to tell you that he'll take care of you financially. Like, ha. Ah. God really is sending people to tell me exactly what I'm worried about. 
And it looked like God wasn't taking care of us. But he was. Because even when there was no food at home, our house manager, who we had paid the salary, started buying us food. <laughs> and you know what? That was God providing. Maybe not the way he wanted. I remember people would just out of the blue decide to fill our tank, our, our tank with fuel. Our, our, our car tank with fuel. And then someone went ahead and pay, prepaid our bill at the hospital without our knowledge. So we went to pay and they told us it's already paid for and it was a secret who had paid it. And so God was providing, but not the way I wanted. I wanted the way I, I know, you know, I don't know, let me earn some money or I don't want to depend on people. You know that pride of life. But when the word of God comes, I want you to know that the enemy is trying to steal it. If he doesn't steal it by distraction, when you get excited about it and receive it, he will make sure that you have no root. Root is what keeps a plant firmly planted in the ground. So that it can produce fruit. It's not leaves. It's root. And root is not sweet, cute. You know, the longer a plant stays in the ground, the deeper the roots go. The more you stand on the word of God, the deeper your roots in that word go. So the time to stand on the word of God is when it, there are contrary situations coming against it. Let me tell you, when you get the word, just know that the devil is going to come and bring something that looks opposite. So that you think that, you remember how John the Baptist he had announced the coming of the Lord. This is a man, the only one we know who was baptized with the Holy Spirit in the womb of his mother. He comes out. So it's not weakness to start to falter concerning the word, to doubt and wonder, did God really say? Look, eh? even, even Adam doubted. Even John the Baptist doubted. The man who prepared the way for our Lord Jesus Christ. So John the Baptist sends people to Jesus to say, are you the one? He's wondering, did I waste my entire life purpose on this man? Because he's about to die in prison. He's like, this is not how it should be for the messenger who announces the coming of the Lord. I shouldn't be imprisoned. He should, the Savior should do something to get me out of jail. Are you the one or should we wait for another? Jesus, knowing John as a man of the spirit, does not say I am the one. He just performs miracles and fulfills the scriptures in Isaiah in the presence of John's disciples. And says, go back and tell John, the blind see, the lame walk, the deaf hear. And he says, blessed is he who is not offended because of you. Because he was telling John, the enemy is now testing your faith and bringing a contrary situation to say, did you really hear God? Were you off course in your life? Some of us think because God said, quit your job and do this, things are going to go smooth. Then there would be no evil in the world. Of course, the enemy is coming, but he's coming. The Bible says, on account of the word. The attack is against the word of God so that you give up on it and it bears no fruit. You, my brother, my sister, Paul writes to the Philippians, the Ephesians, and says, after you've done all you can, stand. That's your last position of power. After you've done everything, you know, I have prayed, I have waited, I have what? Okay, stand. Refuse to let go of the word of God. Because if God said it, that settles it. And I'm telling you, am I saying it will be easy? Sometimes it won't. You, they tell you that your child is healed when they start getting the worst of cases compared, like they get the worst sickness ever. You're like, I thought they were, I th these things don't work. That's exactly what the enemy wants. Is that that's the second level of stealing the word. If you don't understand it, you receive it with joy. Then he attacks you. And no, he attacks the word of God, not you. He's not after you, he's after the word. He attacks the word of God. A contrary situation happens. For me, the biggest one was how I believed that we would not die young, my, my siblings and I, because our parents died young in their early 40s. By 42, they were dead. And I knew, I believed God, we will not die young. And my eldest brother died at 42. Do you know how the enemy started ministering to me? 
But I want you to know something. You see me here and my siblings who are still alive, we are not dying. I got Isaiah 65 and started declaring it. I will not die young. We will not. I refuse to participate. From verse 17 to 25, Isaiah 65, it's a scripture. I do not. With long life, God will satisfy us and show us his salvation. And people are now celebrating above 42 in my family. And so I'm also going to get there. My 40s are coming soon. I can assure you that I'm here until my 90s and above if I want, until I'm satisfied and I want to go home. So don't let a thing that came that was contrary now negate the word of God completely. It's coming against the word of God. So that's a second level of stealing the word. Attacks that come directly against the word of God that you received. You go to church, you preach about, I don't know what, reconciliation. You go home and people are having fights. In fact, the divorce papers are brought when you just had a message on reconciliation. Don't let go of the word of God. Instead, start to declare it, decree it, hold on. Even in the midst of your tears, take precious seed and sow it. That's a second level of stealing the word of God. When there is, there is that, that, like Job, right? Job was, the, his wife told him, curse God and die. Job was supposed to be offended at God because this is not, it's not, I'm not, I'm not seeing, but it's like declaring things like my latter days will be greater than my past. Job. I will yet uh, laugh. My mouth will be filled with laughter. Mm -hmm. A man who is sick, his children are dead, his businesses are dead. And you know what? At the end of holding on to the word of God, guess what happened? He got double for everything that was taken away from him. Double the children, double the wealth, double health, double everything. People can even look at you and say, this person, are they cursed? Because you start thinking, am I cursed? That's the enemy attacking the word of God in your life. Don't let go. Level number two is attacks that come directly against the word of God and then people give up on the word because of persecution or tribulation. And remember, it comes for the word's sake. They immediately stumble. You will not be a stumbler. Stumbling is, you know, I don't know how to put it, but you know what? It's accidental. It's like you're unaware. So be aware. The moment you receive the word of God, know that the enemy is coming to try and rob you of it. Don't let go. Weep through it, but don't let go. And then level number three, the third type of soil. Verse 18, Mark 4. Now these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word again. And then the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things entering in, choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. Ouch. Let me read it again. They hear the word, but the cares of this world, issues, job, you know, job issues, home issues, health issues, the deceitfulness of riches. Some of you, your jobs have taken you away from the word of God. You don't have, no longer have time for the word. The very thing that you prayed for and God gave you, deceitfulness. Riches are deceptive. You can feel powerful when you have money, but you have no power. <laughs> power belongs to the Lord. So your job can be the thing that on your now work on Sundays, you work seven days a week, you have no time for fellowship, you have no time for discipleship, you have no time for anything, you have no time for your Bible and quiet time and prayer, you have no time because you're pursuing wealth, it has become your God, the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things, they enter in where you've received the word and they choke it, is that you? 
is the word of God being. Like in other words, there are too many things in your life competing against the word of God. Yes, you hear what God is saying, but there's too many things competing. I can't tithe because Lord, Banang, you understand Lord that I, I need to pay fees. I have issues here, rent, um, issues in my relationship. I'm distracted by a relationship. I, I, some of you, it's that relationship that has become a distraction. It's like a new God in your life. Some of you, it's children. Everything is about your kids. They must swim on Sunday or they must go to play soccer on Sunday or on the day of discipleship, on the day of Bible study. You no longer have time for the word of God because the things in, of this world have come in and they are, you imagine choking, meaning the word of God wants to come through, but it can't. Something is strangling it and just removing all the oxygen from it. It's dying. The word of God becomes unfruitful in your life because there's too many things competing for your attention compared to the word of God. In other words, the word of God stops become a, to become a priority in your life. And that's the majority of the Christians. That's where we are. Many of us, we hear it, we understand it, but there are too many competing things in our lives. The word of God is not the priority. And they are good things. They're not bad things. It's family. It's children. It's, it's, it's work. It's a business, it's um, holidays, it's all sorts of good things that have come into our lives. We feel like we are too cool for the word of God now. Or we've become too busy. The word busy has become a buzzword in our generation. You're too busy to pray. You're too busy not to pray, actually. Um, Matthew says, he says, the one who has received the word among the thorns is he who hears the word. And the cares of this world, same thing. Deceitfulness of riches, choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. But let, now that's level three. I'm not even going to spend time on it. Just know you, may, you need to make some decisions. Prioritize the word of God. The other ones are, 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 are subtle. This one is obvious. You know it. You know it when the word of God, there are too many. You'll let, watch out if you're always late at church, but you're not late at work. But at church, you come 30 minutes into the service. You're get, it's choking. Your, 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 your level of awe for God's word is, or you, cut, you chop things, you... You ministry things, you don't have time, you tell people that you don't have time to pray, but you can catch a flight in the morning, but if, if you needed to, but you're not a morning person when it comes to the word of God. In other words, God's word has no place in your life because there are too many competing things, and therefore the word of God cannot become fruitful in your life. And I know I'm showing you something powerful because sometimes we think, I'm, I'm hearing someone's, I'm what, why isn't the word working in my life? Because there's too much competing for the word of god in your life there's too much like there are too many other priorities too much more information google is more powerful than the word of god you read more things than you read the scriptures they, they form more opinions than the opinion of god in your life like you some of you that's a thing like your intellect is so full of of facts of life that you you yeah yeah yeah, yeah i hear what god says but the thing that i filled my heart with is so much unbelief and then the last one is that fruitful one which we all want to become the ones who hear the word, comma, listen, they hear it, they accept it, and they bear fruit. There are different levels of fruitfulness because sometimes you're hearing it and accepting it, and in the middle there, there's cares of the world. In the middle there, there's persecution. In the middle there, there's not understanding. There's a mix. But what I realize about this type of soil is that it has little in it. Soil that bears fruit is the one that has less stones, less weeds, less what. You know, the less you have in your life, the less stuff, extras, the more you're fruitful. In other words, become a person of the word of God. Let's see what Matthew says. He who received seed on good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces. Do you know what it is when I think about that? I think of someone who gets pregnant. When you receive the seed, 
Your body understands it because there are bodies that reject the seed and the baby is aborted early. You get a miscarriage. The, the body pushes out the baby early. But it accepts the seed of the word and nurtures it until there is time for it to produce fruit. In other words, the, if you want to become the type of person who bears much fruit in the word of God, the issue is not your faith is little. The issue is not how many sermons you're listening to. It's are you understanding and then standing on the word of God until you see it come to pass and it becomes a belief system in your life. And you know how that happens? Saturate your life with the word of God. Let it become the biggest priority in your life. Spend time in how? Priorities are what we give most time to. Spend time alone in the word of God. Spend time with fellow believers in the word of God. Speak the word. Write the word down. Get memory verse cards. Memorize the scriptures. Speak it. Believe it. When you have any issue in your life, ask yourself, what does God's word say? Not what does my friend say? What does Google say? What have the people in Iraq done about it? No. What does the word of God say? And I tell you what, you will start to see fruit bearing in your life. I want us to become the generation who sees fruitfulness in the word of God. 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold, you know, in our lives. But first, we must hear the word, understand it, accept it, stand on it in the midst of tribulations, and then prioritize it amidst the cares of this world, and we will see fruitfulness. In other words, the fruitful soil is the one that goes against all the other three things. They understand, they seek understanding, they, they also... um not just get excited, but they stand on the word in the midst of trials and temptations. And then they prioritize the word of God above the cares of this world. And they see much fruit. And that is you. I see you bearing fruit in the word of God. I see you understanding it, becoming a man and woman of the word of God. Who sees the word of God bring forth fruit in their lives. I see you becoming someone who understands that the thief is on a mission to steal God's word in your life and refusing to give him access by understanding the word, giving it priority and standing on it regardless of the tough times. Remember, every every tribulation and trial is coming to attack the word of God. It's not you, it's the word. It's really not you because once the enemy has us doubting the word or throwing it out, then he doesn't need to fight us anymore. We fight ourselves. But when we become people who stand on the promises of God, there's that beautiful hymn, standing on the promises of Christ, my Savior. That when you've done all you can, stand on the word of God. I'm inviting you, my friends, to become people who are saturated with the word. To become so full of the word that our conversations are the word of God. Our jokes are around the word of God. Our, I don't know, the word of God is filling your prayers, your conversations. Be filled with the word of God. Let it just be rich in the word of God so that our soil is permeated with the word that it can't help but bear fruit in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you're watching and you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, I want to invite you. Today is the day of your salvation. You're putting off a good thing. You're not too bad. You're not too dirty. Your father loves you and is calling you home today. If that's you, I'm not going to take so much time. I want you to just pray this prayer after me. Say, Lord Jesus, today I receive you as my Savior. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your love. I receive your acceptance. Take my life and do something with it. Today, I'm a child of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Welcome to the family of God. There's that number on your screen. Would you help me and send us a message? Let us know that you've received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. We want to walk with you. You can also contact us on that same number for prayer and also for any questions that you may have. 
we, there will be a, a, a team of people who are going to be able to get back to you and love on you and give you answers that you may need. And myself as well. I look forward to hearing from you. You are blessed. Become a man and woman of the word who understands it, who stands on it, and who prioritizes it. And let's see fruitfulness by the word of God in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. I'll see you again next week, same place, same time. You're blessed. Remember to share, share, share.